everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. This is episode 117. In our latest baseball card profile series, we examine Score, the card company that debuted its namesake card in 1988 before ending its baseball run 10 years later. While Score does not possess the rich history of a storied brand like Tops or Upper Deck, it delivered some innovative design elements, including adding player pictures to the back of the cards, as well as longer player biographies. Trends that Score introduced set the tone for card designs for years to come. Tonight, we give you our scores for Score. And in the second part of the episode, our appetites are also increasing as we offer up some of our favorite and not-so-favorite food and beverage choices at games and concerts. Get comfy because it's Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 117, four score and seven beers ago. My name is Gabe Estel. I'm here with my co-host, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Cheers, to you. Cheers, cheers. Just tea for me tonight. Thank you. <laughs> I'm taking one for the team. Yeah, going to Mexico in three days. So I uh, figure I'll um, make up for it uh, there. <laughs> but anyway... Um, well, great. Glad to be here, guys. Um, and again, we have now covered, uh, after tonight's episode, I believe, have we done four of the um, brands? Four of the no, brands? Three. Um, no, Don Russ, Fleer, and now Score, yep. right? Yep. We have not done Tops and Upper Deck, so right. we, will get the, we will get to those. But tonight, focusing on Score... Um, obviously I'll wait to hear you guys' take, but I, I, I think I've always just in our casual conversations around baseball cards and in previous episodes, I think I've always been a bigger fan of score than you guys. Um, mainly because in 1990, I got a wax box of score and I got a wax box of tops as well that year. So that was a very good baseball card. I think Christmas or whatever. Whatever, I, I had a couple of wax boxes that year, including the 1990 score. So um, we'll talk a little bit about score now. Uh, score started out as what was called Optigraphics, Inc., okay, in 1986. And if you guys are perusing through your collections, you may notice that there are some scores that predate 1988, and they're the ones that are like that have the, like the hologram, not necessarily a hologram, but like a motion-y type thing. You know what I'm talking about? Sport flicks? Yeah, score. Yeah, or those were sport flicks. Yeah, I, I think score so. Did some of those too? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're they're sport flicks. Okay, but anyway, um, so not score then. I thought they were. I thought score did score did these optograph optographics lenticular cards. Yeah, I think it's the same company, but um, same company. I think they were called score yeah. at that at that time. Okay, yeah, they right. the name for those back in like eighty seven, eighty eight. Those were called Sportflix Magic Motion cards. Ah, yes, Magic yes. Motion. Yeah, but score really kind of. This is per their Wikipedia page here. The first used a bold, colorful border design. With 110 cards, each in red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet borders, and I believe that was in the 1990 or 1989s or 1990. 88. 88. 88. Okay, 88 started yeah. out with those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, it was the first. Ma- I think this is probably its biggest innovation. It was the first major set to have a colorful mugshot of the player, and was the first major set beside 1982 Fleer to have a full color back of the card as well. Now, I think that's important to mention because that was a design trend that would be um, adopted by all of the nearly all of the other competitors in the years to come. 
Yeah, yeah, they did it a year before Upper Deck, right? Right, right. Um, and then, like I said, the players, the player biography is also really long on the back. They had kind of like a, you know, like it took up like half the card almost on the back at yeah. least. Uh, you know, the longer, longer uh, kind of narrative um, than what you saw on Tops and Donruss and yeah, and I mean, Deck. this this site, yeah. this Kevin Seitzer one from '88 is like two, three hundred words. <laughs> they dug into it yeah i'm i'm a fan of those 88s the the i like the unique uh coloring styles and uh you know the i remember the don maddenly one is one of the purple ones and uh it's a good looking card right yeah yeah the colors were distributed irrespective of the the players team's colors yeah. yeah Yeah. Yep, correct. None yeah. of it aligned with the team, and and then I think they probably had I think they had fewer colors in eighty in ninety, um, but like I you know I got this Eckersley one right here, and it's got the red border, which you know obviously has nothing to do with Oakland's color scheme, um, so I guess that's a little bit off. I'm surprised. I, I don't know if it was just a cost thing or or, or what. Why they didn't. You know, put the put this would look obviously better with the green Oakland A's like border. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you start to go down a path, and at that point where um, you're, you have to do a lot more colors, and then there's a lot more quality control to be worried that your color is is correct. But, okay, but with this approach, they're just like screw it. Yeah, I mean, Fred McGriff on the Blue Jays can have a purple border. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Well, it, it, they yeah. did that as well in '89. Um, you know, same idea like the Cal Ripken Jr. card. Obviously, he's on Baltimore, so that would you would think like black, white, orange, and his c- colors for that card are green and teal blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd argue though with the '89s. I've got a Tim Raines here from '89. Um, that the white border kind of makes it. I I, I don't think you know the co- the color scheme that you know doesn't match their team in most cases. Um, I think it looks a little cleaner here with the white border than it does with these, you know, it was either red or blue, I think in, in, um, 90, uh, oh, in, so in 88 I, as, as well. Um, where, what are you saying versus the color itself bleeding off the card? Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 In 88 as well. Um, that was, that was going on. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could t- definitely tell in 88 and 89, they were kind of like, testing the water, seeing what they could mm-hmm. kind of do and stuff. And then 1990 was kind of like when it they, – they kind of changed baseball cards forever <laughs> as far as like they – in 1990 was the introduction of a bunch of insert cards, which before that, like Tops and Fleer, there weren't, you know, there might be like a separate all-star card and that was about mm-hmm. it. But as far as in 1990 was the year of that bow card that was huge with Bo Jackson with the football pads and the bat behind it. Iconic uh, card. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that was like one of the first chase cards mm-hmm. and, um, those dream team cards were introduced in 1990 and the first edition of those were really cool for they're almost kind of like a tip of the cap to the old school early like 1900s tops turkey reds 
those mm-hmm. early Dream Teams cards because they look like paintings almost. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. And uh, those are really cool. Uh, and it was also, uh, they they were essentially doing what the Leaf Studio would do a couple of years later, right? Yeah. Yeah, with the, yeah. this black and white photography in a studio. Yeah. yeah, the black and white ones were the introduction of the Dream Team cards in 91. Okay, right. Yeah, the 1990, the, the first Dream Teams in 1990... They look like almost like muted color paintings. Like There's I one said, right they, here. Yeah, they so look, we can't see it over there, but this is the Tony. They Blair. look very similar. To oh, those that's right. Old yeah. school turkey. Yeah, they look you. like okay. early turkey red cards. Man. Okay, if you look at some it. of the original tops cards from the early 1900s, that turkey red edition, they have that like muted painting type yeah. of They're cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and just and they're real subtle too. You know, with just the player's name and the. Um, you know the, uh, the team, the team name, and the and the position. There's no team colors or anything like that. It's just a white border with uh, all caps. Um, yeah, at the bottom. I I, yeah. I think these look sharp. They like are sharp. Them. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just, it's just narrative on the back. Mm-hmm. The Dream Team's card. Um, 1990 also had two really really good looking rookie cards in uh, Mo Vaughn and Frank Thomas. Yeah, both yeah, both the, uh, both. Like face on mugshot type cards. Are those the first the first round pick cards, Levi? I think uh, so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They. I think it has a first draft pick or first round pick or something in the corners. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. Um, I've got the Thomas one here. Yeah. 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 I have the Mo Vaughn one. Yeah, I've got the Mo Vaughn or Maurice Vaughn as Maurice. it's listed on there. <laughs> One thing about 90 score that I, I don't like is the to 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 capitalize the first and last name they, yeah, they start caps around it and yeah that doesn't work yep. good. I don't like those yeah in 89 um, I have I don't know if, if you guys have many of these um, 89 huh those yeah. those are special those are inserts in 89 or. Uh, it says oh, superstar super, on the back. I don't know if they're inserts or if it was a separate set. Yeah, I remember um, those, but um, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that is an awful this. use of, of start caps uh, over the top of a triangle. And, <laughs> those were uh, those were a separate set. They were called uh, score superstars. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Looks like there were maybe like a uh, hundred cards. Um, oh, okay. Okay. This Canseco is card one. There you um, go. Yeah, I mean, I at the same time, you know, regarding the the bold colors, it almost has like a, a a Memphis group feel to it, which is the the '80s design style um, with these with bold colors and kind of angular shapes and circles and 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 such that uh, you would immediately recognize in a Save by the Bell set or intro, uh, mm-hmm. and and it, <laughs> and it felt like they were they were leaning into that a bit. Um, and this idea of, you know, they were up against, you know, Fleer, uh, and Don Russ and tops that were all using more, uh, more muted colors, right? Even though, mm-hmm. you know, Fleer's, it was, it was kind of a baby blue and, um, Don Russ, uh, the year before it was what black and gold and tops mm-hmm. was, was, was gold essentially in 87, um, but then here they come. Here comes score with you know, yeah, like we said, yellow, purple, and and green, and and it seemed as a result it was kind of geared towards maybe kids a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the design is is a little more. Um, uh, and it's not to belittle it in any way. It's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, baseball cards should be designed for kids, um, right? <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they have a little bit more of a pop art look to them. Yes, uh, where at that time, like Tops was still trying to be kind of like, I don't know, old fashioned. Still, yeah, yeah. Tops had its own yeah. reputation. And, but like, over it. Yeah. you know. Score was so popular, though, basically, that they kind of forced Top's hand because by 1990, yep. Top's then felt like they needed to like redo it yeah. and change it all up. Yeah, and those so, Top's 1990 are like Trapper Keeper. Yeah, yeah. Sign. And yeah. so they were, you know, I feel like they were probably feeling the pressure of like Score and other brands to try to bring more of a youth angle to their yeah. look. Yeah, a bit of an SI for kids angle. Yeah. Well, one thing I noticed about about score too, um, this is pre upper deck, so uh, just by 88, yeah. 80, 88 score, just by what year, um, a little better quality of of, of cardboard um, mm-hmm. than than you than you saw in tops Donruss and Fleer. Yeah, you know, it, I, I don't know if glossy is the right term for it necessarily, um, but it's I don't know. I'd have to look into the. What yeah, they almost have like a semi-gloss, yeah. like a semi-gloss yeah. or a satin. Yeah, know, compared right. to like more matte finishes that Tops and Donruss were. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like upper deck, just kind of blue design out of the water. You know, in '89, that like Scores Innovations didn't really have a long life. You know what I mean? Because like upper deck comes in and like that just changes everything in '89. But at the same time, did uh, Upper Deck was what ninety nine cents a pack, and but Score, while other like Tops and Donruss were increasing their pack price, didn't Score stay at 50, 50 cents for quite yeah. a while? I felt like it was always a cheaper option. Score. Yeah, yeah. You got as many. If I'm not mistaken, you got as many cards for about the same price as as you would all the other brands, but Upper Deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like I said, in 1990, with the introduction of the different styles of inserts as well, it felt like you, score felt like you had a better chance of finding something unique. You know what I mean? Whereas sometimes you would like rip open a pack of tops and it would be like 12 of the same base style cards and a checklist or something. You know what I mean? Where it's like, at least with the score, you might get, you know, in 1991 in score... That's when they introduced those all stars that were like caricature style. Yeah, the big heads. That look, they yeah, look right. like the big head T-shirts that yeah. were popular at the time. And so, yeah, I mean, that was a to me. I at that point in buying packs, I was like, oh, I would rather have a chance of getting some kind of unique card mm-hmm. than than mm-hmm. just pulling twelve of a base style set. You know. Yep. Yep. True that. Yeah. Did you guys know that in 88, uh, Score uh, put out an Eric, or no, sorry, it's 90. 1990, they put out an Eric Lindros card. If uh, for our listeners who don't know, Eric Lindros oh, was yeah. a hockey, an NHL hockey player. And, um, and he only had a tryout with the Blue Jays, I think it was. He was never like on a roster or he was never drafted. So it was, it was just kind of a publicity stunt on on scores part but yeah there's an eric lindros baseball card i've yeah i've seen it i remember uh i remember that one okay i'm looking at it yeah it's like him hitting in a batting cage in a blue jays uniform yeah yeah it's very much like 
you know, this is probably his only time in a Blue Jays <laughs> uniform. <laughs> now, I did not know this until I did a little research for the website. Pinnacle is score. Yeah, yeah Pinnacle owns just, score. Yeah. yeah, Pinnacle owns score. So, like a lot of like like nearly every brand brand uh, around that time, ninety one or so, um, they put out a premium card. You know, and it was Pinnacle was their premium yep. kind of edition card. Yep. You know, Tops had Stadium Club, Fleer had Fleer Ultra. Um, you know, Upper Deck was kind of premium at birth, but um, yeah, they did that, and they kind of just fell victim to some of those, you know, just the oversaturation yeah. of, of yeah. market yeah. Uh, at that point. I don't like those Pinnacle cards. I think they're they're um, for some reason just I don't know if like a lot of black on oh, yeah. the front of a card looks good. I, 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 for some reason, just I, uh, I, I'm not crazy about the design. of those. Well, and they had done that score in the 91 scores. They had done a subset called the franchise. Yes. And all those 91 scores, the black, they're black borders. And it has a little logo that says the franchise. And a black um, and white photo of the guy. Yeah, and a black and white yeah. photo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In in addition to the other Dream Team set, which was black and white photos, and that second that was the second Dream Team set in ninety one, they got rid of the the painted cards like we just discussed a mm-hmm. little bit ago and went to black and white photos for all the players and like kind of put an artsy vibe onto them, like in ninety one. Um like I remember the the one for Jose Canseco in '91. It's like black and white, and he's shirtless. Ah, yeah. the, he's like swinging the bat. It's supposed to be like all very very artsy. Yeah, he wasn't the only shirtless player in that set. <laughs> I think. Uh, I remember there's one where because uh, it was Ricky Henderson was either about to break the record for stolen bases or had, mm-hmm. and. Uh, He's like sitting on like a stack of bases, and it's like a black and white photo of Ricky Anderson. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, no shirt and uh, some uh, just shorts on. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Ricky don't well, need pants. Well, Dream Teams, Levi, were those Dream Team cards? Uh, yeah, the Dream yeah. Team cards were. Yeah. yeah, I've got the Dave so, yeah, Stewart one of that year. It's like a really up close shot, and he's just kind of holding the ball right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The there was also, like I said, it was weird to kind of have two subsets both be black and white photos. Right. Yeah. As far as the Dream Team and the franchise ones. And then um, I guess in 1990, that Bo card was so successful, they're like, let's put another Bo Jackson card in 91 for people to look for. And that card, if you guys remember, it was called the Bo Breaker. Yeah. And it's the picture of Bo Jackson. Oh, breaking. yeah. And on the side of the card, it says "Bow Breaker." <laughs> I think it's. I think that's worth uh, a few bucks. Uh, well, something. dude, at one time that black and white, the nineteen ninety Bo Jackson card was worth yeah. like 10, 15 bucks still. Yeah, that's yeah. the photo they used on the Beckett cover as well. Yeah, well, and I think there was a Nike poster of it too. Yeah, again, no, no shirt. <laughs> and it's the cover of uh, Bono's Bow, which I have in hardback yeah, uh, yeah, as well, yeah. or hardcover, excuse me. Um, yeah. 
But but so. Score did a good job with their photography for the most part. Um, yeah, they they were good about having unique photos for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just like a throwaway shot of a guy. It's usually like worst case scenario it was a quality shot. Best case scenario it was a really interesting shot. Mm-hmm. You know, you, where you could actually like see the ball in front of the batter. Um, I, I like this uh, this nineteen eighty eight Matt Noakes. Uh, uh, shot where uh, it's it's framed interestingly where he's he's yeah. he's at bat and he's got his his bat straight up and down and a lot of bat and, and he's cropped at the waist but but yeah the bat extends all the way up to the car so there's like a lot of negative space and it's it's a little artsy to do it that That's way a sharp looking car yeah yeah, yeah I mean yeah. It, it's a little strange to to crop a guy at the waist like that but mm-hmm. they they were they had intent with that so I appreciate right. that. Yeah. The one of the ones I have from '91 that is kind of unique is Chipper Jones' rookie card. It's uh, his first round draft pick card, yep. and he's like swinging the bat, and the way the photo looks, like it, like the bat is like almost pointed at the card, mm-hmm. kind of down oh, in like the for, lower kind of frame. a forced perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's a good looking rookie card there. <laughs> the, the back of that card, though, is a that's a rough shot of of Chipper on the back of of his. For, of his rookie card it's i don't have the back in front of me what's it look like uh it's it's uh search if if you google 1991 score chipper jones yeah and yeah. uh yeah i think the back will pop up on you too um uh it's uh yeah anyway um, but that's not the one where the famous one where he's got like the jorts and the long str- sleeve structure. No, 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 he's in uniform. Right? He's in. Uniform. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, uh, that's that's him at his best fashion wise right there. Yeah. I always appreciate though, Levi, to your point about the front of that Chipper Jones card, um, which is, you know, him cut out and superimposed over a gradient background. The time it takes to do all of that work for any given player is. Well, um, especially in 1991. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. They, when they Photoshop, didn't have Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it was probably you know a, a set of scissors uh, getting the job done, and oh. and uh, that is not an insignificant task to do well. Right. They um they got into football too, you know, around the same time as yeah. well. Um, I've got. I've got some pretty good ones from, I don't know if it's their first or second year for football, but I've got like the Michael Irvin rookie. Yeah. I've got the Troy Aikman rookie um, score. I've got, um, I've got, I've, I've got, you know, a lot of the superstar players from that year. That's like probably the most football cards I have from any, any brand mm-hmm. score. Um, and, and, and they're, they're still, they're football still producing football cards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Score still does NFL cards, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I was talking to a card shop owner today about them, and he said that their score is interesting compared to the other sets, and that they're usually the first to market in a given year. So they're going to have like the first rookie cards for a guy, mm-hmm. but they don't really hold the value that the other brands do. Um, okay. And so as a result, though, they're 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 also a cheaper option for you know a kid begging his mom or dad to. Uh, you know, buy them a, a couple packs cards, and so that's kind of scores place in the market right now. Ooh. I'd like to put some of today's players on the score designs. You know, kind of like Tops does with those those retro, yeah, you know, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. An, yeah, o- yeah an Otani score. You know, a uh, yeah, you know, whoever else. Uh, 
Tatis score, whatever, you know, yeah. I, I need a black and white shirtless Otani card. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you notice, I don't know if you noticed on the 88 scores, uh, the names, uh, and they, they do this subtly and I think kind of well, um, but the, the first letter of the of the names, and again, the, like we were talking about before, the star caps, um, they're just a little bit bigger than the first yes. letters of the first and last name. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's well done. You, you don't notice it until you like really take a look. Uh, but that, then they just the got best. carried away. Yeah, I like those names the best. The letters are, are kind of tight. You know, they're a little bit uh, close together there. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a compact font. Guys, I found a score. It's an insert, I assume, as well, because it, it, it doesn't match the design of that year. This is from 89. Have you guys seen these? This is like, it looks like this on the front? No. You look at the back, and it's called The Young Superstar. So I guess it's a special insert or a series from Score. They are Score. You can see um, you can you can see the the copyright. Well, you can't really see it here, but yeah, yeah. in the corner you can see the logo, the score logo, and then huh. the copyright down here. They did a an eighty nine. It says they did a series one and a series two of young superstars. Hmm. Huh. This is the only one I have. I uh, this is the only one I I, I have. The Sheffield Interesting. one. Huh. Yeah, that uh, those cards look very similar to Sportflix. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they it's do. not. I know it's not they a do. lenticular, but like oh, that design. That design yeah. looks like that style. It does. Um, so yeah, I was looking at. I was looking at score after I collected as well. Uh, so essentially ninety three through ninety eight, and like most, um, most most cards, the 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 designs get gaudy. Right, um, and they yeah. get very much of their time, uh, and it's uh, some of it ages better than others. And and um, uh, in ninety uh, and yeah, ninety two, you know, like a quarter of the a quarter of the card was just devoted to this like team color clashing gradient, which was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was it's just, like a yeah. giant block of vertical color. Yeah, the, yeah, the front of every card. Yeah, and so like the photo of the player ended up only being like I don't know sixty percent of the card. Um, Ninety three, they moved I think back in the right direction, giving more room for the photos, and they used a slab serif that year, which looked looked pretty good in my opinion. Leaned on the dream team cards again. Um, Ninety four, the nine. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the ninety two dream team cards are unique because they got a little more artsy, and because uh, I, I remember two of them for sure. One was obviously Cowrickin Jr., who I was collecting at the time. There's a, it's a black and white photo of Cal Ripken standing in front of a steam locomotive. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Iron Man, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. And then the the other one that I thought always was funny was the '92 Dream Team card of Kirby Puckett, and so. It looks like they laid a tarp on the ground and, like, wrote the words, like, eight feet or something to, like, I guess, describe or show a perspective. But, like, you could tell it's Kirby Puckett laying on the ground pretending like he's, like, leaping above the tarp to catch a ball. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys can pull this up and see <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'm but looking like, at it now. Yeah. But, yeah, like, you could obviously tell that's not... 
Kirby Puckett jumping up in the air. No. Or at, le- at least I don't think it is. No, I don't think it is either. <laughs> I'll show you an interesting Kirby Puckett card made by Pinnacle. Pinnacle did this series in... Well, I These are 92, this one is. Sidelines, and it showed the players like in non-baseball activity. <laughs> this has Kirby Puckett wearing a Cosby-like sweater, playing some pool. Um, right here, you can see yeah, that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that card now that you saw yeah. it. Um, the in I don't know if you guys saw the uh, uh, the '95 score, but it's like this complete overhaul. Uh, of the design with this kind of uh, dirt border, like infield dirt border and torn edges of, of the, uh, of the photo. Uh, And, and then there's like a subset in 95 where there's a photo of the player. And, but then there's like this rear view mirror shot of like just their eyes. Mm, And we're in a rectangle. (laughs) <laughs> I've seen these before. These are weird. <laughs> yeah, super, super strange decisions were being made. Um, uh. And in 96, you know, they had more torn edges and like drop shadows that were like classic mid-90s designs. But then in 97, they they did these like really um, clean white edges and all lowercase names, kind of reminiscent of um, those 80s wall posters, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they're they kind of sharp, but they're very much not score. They're, they are not the personality of score. Um, and then in 98, it was just, it just got super freaking busy and like tons of different fonts on the, on the front. And um, it was, you know, they went out with a bang and that they just like threw the kitchen sink at the design, unfortunately. <laughs> and that was the last year for baseball. That was the last year for baseball. Yeah. And that's when Pinnacle went under, right? Yeah. Yeah, gets. I'm I'm looking up. Um, I was looking up the '95 design um, uh, for score, yeah. and I discovered. Um, I have to admit, I have no recollection of Vince Coleman on the Royals. But he I know, dude, Royals. I saw that card too, and I was, was like, like what? "What? Vince Coleman yeah. on the Royals?" And like so many things about that card were confusing to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was after the Mets. I suppose. Yeah. Right. Uh, Probably right around there. Yeah. Uh, that's that is a good question. According to Baseball Reference, uh, yeah, he uh, he went there after the Mets, and he spent uh, uh, looks like a, a season and a half with the Royals. Okay, uh, right around the time Kirk Gibson, or no, that was ninety five. That'd be later. That'd be later. Gibson Gibson was on the Royals in like ninety one, ninety two, something like that. They. Uh, must have traded them. Uh, yeah, they traded them to the Mariners. Uh, the Royals traded them to the Mariners for Jim Converse. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, There's a trivia question. He got to the Royals. Uh, the Mets traded him to the Royals in 94 for Kevin McReynolds. Ah, uh, yes. I've got Kevin an autographed McReynolds. Kevin McReynolds card. Really? I did not meet Kevin McReynolds, but I got it at a card show. A card show. So, I don't know. It was like... Nice. They had an autograph section that was kind of cheap, you know, so I don't know. Oh, hopefully it's Kevin McReynolds this time I did. I don't know. <laughs> He's an above-average player. Uh, he was. Yeah. yeah. No, he had some good years. Yeah. Yeah, on the Mets, uh, Padres as well. Yeah. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, no, he's not a bad player at all. Um, Hall of pretty darn good, as Barrett would say. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's one of my our favorite activities we go through, who should be in the Hall of pretty darn good. <laughs> so, anyway. I um, um, well, Overall, hey, I, I just wanted to say, you know, Gabe, when you brought up doing score, I was, yep. I was skeptical. I've always thought that I, I, I thought score was cheap and... Um, a little gaudy, but looking back on it, I, I admit I was wrong, and uh, I think it's held up well for the most part. And uh, they definitely they they saw a niche that they wanted to fill, and, and they did it well. Yeah, I, I, I put them above Fleer. I do. Yeah, I like a score better than Fleer. Fleer had um, maybe maybe more. He, they had the Fleer came out earlier, so there's there's more of Fleer's represented in my collection, and they've they have more of a catalog. But um, eighty eight, eighty nine, and ninety score, I like better than most Fleer cards, other than like the early eighties Fleer ones. I respect so. that. Or actually, ninety Fleer is pretty good too. Ninety Fleer is pretty good, and then score also one other one other score that I just found here that we hadn't mentioned yet. Um, around 91, the all-star cards were the caricatures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they those did are those in 91 and 92. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Those, yeah are, those are classic. Yeah. Good cards. So, yeah. hey, you know, score, um, re- as, as Jonathan has learned, reconsider score. All right. Uh, <laughs> Do it. It's worth it. No, so. like I said, I think they're important for the fact of introducing more than just base cards. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, they kind of brought in inserts and that became the hobby. You know yep. what I mean? It did. Whereas, like, the especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, inserts were why you bought packs, not, not for base cards. Yep. Yeah. I think... Um, that, that's that's one of the big takeaways as well as you know the photos on back the narratives on the back the longer narratives i should say yeah yeah so some uh some 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 good design uh or i should say some um uh trend setting designs um and and and, and practices for score um you know moving on now to the second portion of uh of, of the chat tonight uh, talking about food and beverages at uh, at baseball and concerts, um, you know, baseball is just around the corner here. We're recording this episode, um, I don't know, about three quarters of the way through February, and got me thinking that I was hungry and uh, for for some for some baseball food, and um, want to revisit the hot dogs. Levi had pitched this idea a few this is a few years ago where we designed our dream our our, our ideal baseball hot dog, right? Um, and what we'd put on it if we had all the ingredients at our disposal. Um, so I want I want to talk about that because I can't I can't find one of the hot dogs that we um, that we crafted that night. so I want to I want to go ahead and revisit it. Um, Levi, I'll let you start since you introduced this topic a few years ago. Yeah. And um, uh, go from there. I think, okay, I kind of remember mine before, and I will carry over some of that maybe. I remember I used a New England-style hot dog bun. 
Good work. Which I is like the this. kind where you toast each side of the, mm-hmm. the bun like a lobster roll style bun. Yes. And yep. then um, I know, I think, you know, in my book, a, a dog needs to start with grilled onions. Amen. And so I, I remember I had grilled onions and then um, I think this time I would maybe add some uh, some fried jalapenos on top. Ooh, you yeah. know how some punks have those now, like the little yeah. crunchy fried jalapenos? Yeah. I throw that on there, and then, um, I don't know, maybe some white queso, some blanco queso on it. That's good. Nice. Yeah, that, nice. that's yeah. good. Nothing, yeah. I like it, because you, you took a lot of good base ingredients, you know, and didn't you, it's it's innovative, but you didn't do anything too funky, you know? Right. Like Levi's yeah. not putting sprouts and shit on his hot dog, all right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 yeah, good work. Um, now, did you say a mustard on there, or are you just going with the queso? No, no mustard on mine. Okay, no. it, it would clash with. I, I'm I'm a mustard man, but it would clash with all those things that you mentioned. So it's not necessary. I agree there. Oh. Nice work, excellent work. That gets an A on the hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, guess what about you? Uh, what what would be your dog? This is what I'm in the mood for tonight. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, uh, and and it combines a couple things, a couple of my go tos at a sporting or concert event. And that is, um, that is the soft pretzel with nacho cheese. And so a soft pretzel bun with the dog. And it could be even a veggie dog. I I actually might prefer a veggie dog. Um, with, uh, the, the, what, what are those? The French's, uh, like fried onions, uh, oh, yeah, crispy yeah, things, yeah. right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That and uh, and a nacho cheese, um, and okay. maybe a little bit of. Um, no, I don't need a raw onion. Just just the the fried onion. It would be good. And the, I yeah, would nacho cheese. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if you can fry an, I'm a, I'm of the mindset. If you can fry an onion, fry an onion. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Seriously, yeah. like, I was out to eat with a, a coworker one time. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive. He's a very sweet guy. I'll, I'll forgive this, you know, because maybe he just didn't know. Or so he's like, we went to a place that had really good patty melts, right? Um, and the waitress asked him, would he like the onions grilled or raw? And I was like, A, why the fuck are you asking that? This is the waitress, <laughs> you know? B, he said raw. Oh. <laughs> uh. Sacrilegious. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like me and another coworker were looking at each other. We didn't want to like him to see us. We're like, what? What? <laughs> 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 what the fuck is wrong with that? <laughs> fired. You're fired. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't say anything. And then they, they, they brought it to him. And here I am eating a patty melt that's just delicious and grilled onions. Beautiful grilled onions. Oh, man. Yeah. And, uh, there he is with his raw onions on a pan. Yeah, dude, yeah, that's absurd, man. That's like, yeah. Yep. She might as well ask, "Do you want rye or banana for your right?" Bread? Exactly. <laughs> like, like, what, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, maybe, fuck, I kind of blame her. You know, I mean, she asked. She shouldn't even have asked. She should have been like, "Here, the, this is what's on the patty melt." Okay. No, did you want yeah. provolone or cottage for your right. cheese on that? <laughs> what? <laughs> Gabe, the, the record didn't skip, and like, like a guy stood up and his in his stool, like screeched like away from behind him. And the, the, my coworker was like, "Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, grilled. I mean, grilled. <laughs> should have. That's what should have happened." 
Um, well, guys, I'll, I'll I'll go with one that's um I'm a I'm a pickle kid, right? And I'm a mustard kid. Um, and I love onions too, but um, I'm gonna go with um. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll see it uh, at, at the grocery store. They'll have like a dill mustard, right? That's got dill in it, obviously. Um, and to me, that kind of blends, you know, the, I love the dill flavor with mustard. So I'm going to go with a pickle-heavy dog. Um, I'm going to do um, the, the, the the hot dog. I'll do uh, I, 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 just a standard bun for me. Um, you guys, you guys, you guys went somewhat atypical with your buns, and that's that's fine. Not atypical, but at least more more unique. Gourmet than buns, yeah. Standard, yes, yes. Uh, which I respect that. Um, but I'm I'm just going to go with regular a regular hot dog steam bun, and um, I'm doing the the dill mustard, and then I will do my favorite thing about a Chicago dog is the sport peppers, right? I like the sport peppers. I don't like, I love tomatoes. I don't need them on a hot dog, all right? That's just, the bun gets, that's, the bun's absorbing all the tomato, you know? It's Yeah. Um, I, I, I like poppy seed, like on a bagel and stuff, but I don't need it on my bun, you know? So I, I bring that up because probably, there's, there's a joint across the street from my kid's school that has really good fries and milkshakes. And so every once in a while, you know, I'll, I'll take Barrett and Winnie there after I pick him up and just a little before dinner thing, you know, we'll split some fries and I'll split a shake in half for the kids. And so I've lately been hungry, you know, and it's still like two, like an hour and a half or two hours to dinner time. So I'll buy, I have bought a Chicago style dog and I view that as like, I mean, they're good, but like, it's a very touristy thing. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I never order those just like. Except for when I first moved here, I don't like go like, man, I need a slice of deep dish pizza tonight. You know what I mean? Like I don't, <laughs> right? I mean, I've had them; they're they're okay, but yeah. So I I, br- I brought it up because I've I've probably eaten at that place more Chicago style hot dogs in the last like year than I have ever since I've lived here, and I've lived here now for twenty years. <laughs> so, um, so takeaway is sport peppers always work for me. I want to I want to kind of embed them though a little more in the bun because they always pop off when I'm eating a Chicago dog. You know what I mean? Like the sport well, yeah, pepper. The, the they don't put them up. Be like put them in the bun first and put the dog. There you on go. Top. There you go. Yeah. I'm gonna lay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna blanket. I'm gonna get open that steam <laughs> bun. I'm gonna blanket with sport peppers. Right. So like Levi said. So like they stay in place. We've got a sport pepper foundation. Right. My dog. Some of that um, that dill mustard that I like. And then, um, God, that may be, you know that that may be all I need. Um, I would do instead of relish because um, I don't like just traditional relish, like sweet relish, um, doesn't really do much for me. Uh, I would do just like diced up dill pickles as well. You know what I mean? Like I've seen Chicago style places, you know, they put the whole spear on there. Oh, well, yeah, That's yeah. kind of weird, you know, with a hot dog. I don't know. I feel like I'm eating too too tubular you know the hot it's about the same shape as the hot dog <laughs> so dice up that pickle put it on there that's my well thing. and yeah at one time you know you used to be able to get at the grocery stores at one time chopped up they called them salad cubes ah uh, yeah 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 where it's like little chunks of pickles like like right. bigger like a coarser chop than a relish mm-hmm. yeah get some get some dill salad cubes on there for you yeah nice nice okay. yeah i like that 
Yeah, so it's a pickle-heavy dog, you know, intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would be mine. So I've got, yeah, the sport pepper, dill mustard, and then diced up dill pickles. Yeah. I take it. Dig me, you know, it's just just salt, salt city. Do you, um, do you, do what would you guys say is your favorite item you've ever had at a ballpark or a stadium? And that could be at a sporting event or a concert. Or a concert. I'll go first, give you some time to talk. All right, yeah, go for Um, it. And, I mean, I think this place is a chain, although I've never seen the actual restaurant. But at the Coors Field, where the Rockies play, they had a famous Dave's Barbecue. And they would be out there, like, smoking the barbecue right there, like, on the sidewalk in the pavilion. And the stuff was delicious. <laughs> and that was back when I still ate meat. Solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. so that was some of the best barbecue I've ever had at a ball game. And then, um, and like, as a sidebar, I guess, on that, for me, some of the best food I've ever had at a concert was in 2007. Uh, I was VIP at Bonnaroo. Mm-hmm. And, and every day it was like a giant tent that you could walk into and it was catered style. Yeah. Like, and so it was like grilled chicken breasts and, uh, you know, one day was like little ribeyes and yeah. it was like all I mean, kinds like, of killer food, like, you know, mashed potatoes and green beans and sides. And, right. and then they would have these big wicker baskets filled with like, juice boxes and granola bars and like little packs of like gourmet chips and and stuff yeah 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 yeah. you could like totally walk in there as many times a day that you wanted and just grub down that's the vip experience baby well yeah 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 Yeah, it was it was it was pretty good um much better than the food that they obviously had in the um in the (laughs) in the regular people's quarters uh yeah 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 I don't, man, you know, this is, this is the best thing like they have now. Cause like I still go to a decent number of live nation, you know, big type venues because, you know, my wife's a fish head and we go see fish a lot. Right. So they're always playing big venues. The best thing they've got now at a concert venue, even though it's stupid expensive, which like all food at those venues, um, that Questlove vegan cheesesteak isn't too yeah. bad. If you guys ever get oh, really? a chance to get All one right. of those, right. they're, like, those. they're like $17 or something like <laughs> stupid. Um, but like, they're pretty good. Yeah. They're, 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 I think you partnered with Impossible. Is it Impossible meat? Uh, I, I yeah. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. It's like a seitan or something made by yeah, them. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, they're really good. I'll, I'll get those over any meat thing that they've got. Alive. It's like that or like a terrible cheeseburger or like chicken tenders and shitty fries, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, well, hell with it. I'll just, it's seven, all of it's like $20 anyway, just at the, uh, at the concert. So I'll just go ahead and get the fake cheesesteak. So that's one of the, what's the one of the, and and it's like a deal with live nation. So they've got it at every one of those venues. There you go. Go quest love, man. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so it's it's got onions, you know, and and then the fake meat, and then the cheese, and all diced together, and rolled with the cheese. It's it's definitely like cheesecake, st- or I'm sorry, cheesecake, uh, cheese steak style, you know. I mean they, um, so that that's pretty good for for now for a, a um at a ballpark. I don't know, like 
the Sox have a decent number of choices at their ballpark variety, but I, I, nothing there is like really good. You know, I mean, like nothing that like you're like you look forward to necessarily. You know what I mean at the park? Yeah. Um, I mean, they've got they've got some tacos and they've got you know. Um, and they've got like a barbecue spot as well, but I don't think not nearly as good as what Levi described. It's 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 just pretty standard. Um, so I don't know. I, at, a, at a at a ballpark, I'm I'm, I'm hard pressed, Levi. I, I I don't know. I I can't say as though. I mean, it, you know, in, in Kansas City, you know, while Gates isn't by any means my favorite barbecue in Kansas City, it's at least reliable, and they've got it there. You know, at the Royals Park, or they did at least. Mm-hmm. So I would go with that probably. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And there are a ton more options uh, now, of course, like any ballpark, you know, over the last 10 years, they've really expanded their options. And Gabe, to your point there about the the vegan cheesesteak, I'm more likely to admittedly, I often think, okay, what could be screwed up the least? And like, Mm -hmm. that's going to be what I choose. Um, And, you know, just like assuming something's been like sitting out for at least an hour lamped. Yeah. yeah right. And, uh, so yeah. And I think the last time I was at Kaufman, I, I, I got a, uh, a veggie dog. Um, uh, and it was fine. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't expect to be blown away, um, by, uh, by anything and I'll entertain the fancy stuff, but I think I end up like kind of chickening out and just like preferring the simpler stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Because I kind of I have a I have a fear of like foodborne illness, sure. <laughs> sure. and I'm thinking what will fuck me up the least if it goes wrong, <laughs> and so that's well, why. Yeah, one of my staples in all those are the the plain old just chips and cheese with some jalapeno sauce. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I, I probably can't get food poisoning from that. Yeah, and yeah. and and that's why I usually go with the pretzel, the soft pretzel, salt, and. And, and cheese, but it is kind of sad though, because that, even that's on a spectrum. And the, the worst case scenario with that is the, the kind of sad, just like, um, uh, uh, lunchable, uh, container of, of cheese that you peel back oh, the yeah, foil no, on. God, and it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. it's, it's like room temperature or like cold even yeah, <laughs> somehow. <yeah. laughs> and so that's always a little depressing. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you know, it's your, your expectations are kind of muted at that point anyway. But th- I think the best thing I ever ate at a, sh- at a show or a, uh, a game was at the film at the Fillmore West in San Francisco. They had a restaurant. I don't know if they still have the restaurant there, but, um, the only show I ever saw at the Fillmore was Steven Stills back in like 97 or 98, um, and, uh, yeah, the restaurant was open and, and I, uh, I think it was upstairs and I got fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> it, was, it was solid. It was good. Uh, and, yes. and I was set. It was like, cool. All right. Bring on, bring on stills. Let's do this. <laughs> at, at some of the smaller venues, you you, you might start to see a little more variety, you know? Um, I, uh, I, I've, I've, you know, you mentioned there was a restaurant at the Fillmore. There was at least. Um, Chicago's got some venues that have that have opened their smaller venues that have, you know, kind of prioritized the food as well. Um, uh, like like Shuba's has a has a restaurant 
you know, next to it. Um, yeah. It's part of the same same setup. You know, same. It's the next door over. Same company, same owners, I guess. And then also, there's a. It's a chain now. You know, they started out in New York, and then they came to Chicago, and they've got Nashville and a few others. There's a venue called City Winery, right? That's got. Um, I think I told you guys about that. It, it's like table service during the show, um, which is kind of awkward because, like, it's kind of loud. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's people, there's plates and stuff, you know, clanking around. And it's usually, like, a mellower artist there, you know? Like, I saw I saw Mike Doty from Soul Coffee there, and we were down front. And, like, he was so close. Like, his shoe was so close to where I was eating. Like, I thought, like, I was going to get, like... I got these duck tacos that night that were pretty good, you know, but like, like the salsa was kind of oozing out of them. And I thought I was going to get it all over him. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like real awkward, you know, it's like, I felt like people like there was like the spotlight was on him. And I felt like the spotlight was on me eating too. You know what I mean? Cause like, it's kind of dark around everybody else, but it's just me there. And I'm like, don't look at me everyone <laughs> you're like waiting you're waiting for the loud part of the chorus to take your next bite exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so i i like the you know the quality of the food is good there but it also you know kind of makes for an expensive night as well you know yeah. um if you after the ticket and food that's good but probably a few bucks more than it deserves to be um you know, and if you get a few drinks, obviously, if you have kids and have a babysitter, that can that can you know pairing food with your concert can can get pricey. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, um you know, at, at a at a concert, I've uh, I don't bother with I, I really don't bother with getting a beer at an arena show because of like the costs and the selection and the lines and the and and mainly because of the like the distance to the bathroom because if i have to take a leak you know halfway right. through the set i'm it's pretty disappointing for me to like miss a song is 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 disappointing um and so that's why i don't bother and because i don't wear a stadium buddy or whatever those are called those little catheters but um <laughs> <laughs> but at shows that are you know like like lower stakes or they're at a smaller venue then i'll get a beer i guess and because then i won't and lower stakes meaning like i it's okay if i miss a song to go to the bathroom yeah um uh but then i'm just like i'm too cheap to buy more than one because <laughs> i do the math and it's like man this this beer would cost like two dollars if i bought it as part of a six pack at the liquor store sure. <laughs> and here i'm paying twelve dollars for it <laughs> right plus tip yeah yeah um yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, baseball, like what, they, they usually stop serving around the seventh inning, right? Yep. And around there. Concerts, it varies, you know? Some some nights at, like, shows, I'll see them serve beer until the end. You right. know, I mean, wow. well, yeah. Um, uh, other nights, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's maybe 10 o'clock, you know, they'll shut it down, maybe something like that, maybe a little before 10 which is fine. I mean, I would assume like if you're at a big show, most of the people, unless maybe you're in like New York City, you know, or taking the subway or something, like most people probably drove to the show, you know, at an amphitheater or an arena. So, I uh, I've got no problem with them shutting that, shut, you know, closing up shop. Um, 
Yeah, and give people a few songs to sober up. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, at least the encore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah, but that seems relatively inconsistent across venues. At least I've seen venues where you know there's um, it, it's served near, until near the end of the show. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I can't imagine at a festival like just pounding beers all day long in the sun. Ugh, that would well, be for disaster. Yeah. Yes, I've lived it. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you, yeah, it's uh, it is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> well, and, and if you are sober, well, not sober, but if you were still going at the end of the show, you could walk into the parking lot, and back in the day, it'd be like Sammy Smith Browns for three dollars yeah. or whatever. You know, guys are like selling beers out of coolers. One for three, two for five, man. You're, yeah, you're you're walking to your car, and you know people are trying to get you drunk just then. Oh well, there's there's in like the fish Grateful Dead, you know, world. There's there's a whole other marketplace, you know, in the parking lot. I mean, yeah, food and otherwise, you know, I mean, so yeah, that's, that's a different, that's, a, that's its own economy separate from it's the its own chamber of commerce out there. <laughs> right. But at one time, the currency was garlic grilled cheeses. Yeah. Each garlic grilled cheese counted as a dollar. I will say, so Levi, to your point, to your, your question about the best thing you ever had, um, at, uh, the first fish show I went to at the Cole Center in Madison, Wisconsin, in like 98. I just got a ticket. Like, I just walked up and bought a ticket. And I got out of that show, and I was super hungry. I didn't eat dinner. And there was a guy, a cat selling selling burritos, like 30 <laughs> feet away from that door. And it was one of the best burritos and worst burritos I've ever had. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, um... That you mentioned the Chamber of Commerce of the Fish Parking Lot Marketplace gets um, maybe I, I'm thinking in my head here all these wooks on campaign posters like I'm running for the Chamber of Commerce. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, um, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what show it was, but one of them when we left, these people had their van and they had the doors open, and they were making. Like it was like penne pasta with like a bunch of vegetables, like onions and peppers and zucchini and shit. And they're like stir frying it in these big pans. And they had it like pre made in giant fucking clear totes. <laughs> Just like in their van. And I'm like, I don't know how safe this is. Yeah. <laughs> like like rubber made type thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, like, like, I'm like, that's a rubber made tote full of food. Like yeah. how long was that in there? Yeah. It's like, refrigerated like, the all day. on its third yeah. week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there's no refrigeration. Like, how are they? <laughs> Yeah, I hear you there. I've kind of wondered about that, man. I've seen it all, dude. Like at Alpine, man, I've seen like blueberry pancakes. Like, you know, fuckers have a griddle <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> blueberry yeah. pancakes. They, they really go all in. Um, yeah, I don't know. Some parking... I, I, I tend to avoid... In my older years, I, I avoid the parking lot food. I just... Uh, I'll, I'll you eat- used to be able to... Like I said, you could get a garlic grilled cheese for a dollar. And it was like... I'm probably not going to get sick from this. And so, like, they were pretty trustworthy for a dollar for that. I mean, it's, you know, some some yeah. 
Yeah. Some what you know, some kind of land of lake spread and you know, a slice of uh yeah. craft single. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That stuff would last <laughs> would last a week outside of refrigeration anyway. Throw just so. some throw just some minced garlic in the butter, mix it up. That's what they spread on there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's um yeah, nowadays I'll just I'll, I'll really just try to eat before the show. You know, as boring as that <laughs> right. sounds. I know. It, yeah, yeah, now it's like if you can line it up where you get a killer restaurant, and it doesn't have to be like you know four stars or anything, but just like a solid meal within yeah. walking distance of the show, and you mm-hmm. time it just right. Like, man, right? That's what more could you ask well, for? Well, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast as well. Um, I. I I don't know. I, I don't know how many studies have been conducted about this, but that that could be one of the reasons too that, you know, um, amphitheaters kind of are, are less appealing, and that design has kind of fallen out of fashion. You know, like out in the suburbs, you know, there's really like not much around it. Like okay, like Levi gets you know there's there's nowhere to eat around Riverport. You know, yeah. Um, Same there's nowhere to eat. Yeah. At, at least close. At least like like right by the venue there's nowhere to eat at tinley park as well there is like if you drive a little ways what's that that was my next one after you said riverport i was gonna say tinley park yeah which are carbon copies of one another essentially you know um so so yeah it's that whole bonner springs i would imagine is the same way it gets you know there's nothing out there you know um so you know with the newer venues you know it's kind of like you know, put it in, put it in downtown or near downtown or a bustling neighborhood, and just everybody around it benefits too. You know, I mean, so. Yep. 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 But still, keep it, keep a snack in your in your car for after the show. There you go. That's the way to do it. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I always feel like I see some people like eating sandwiches and stuff that they packed after the show. I'm like, hey, somebody's got it together. You right. know? Yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of square, but who's laughing yeah. now, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're saving money and having fun. Right? That's that's what that's what we're trying to do here, folks. Save some money, have some fun. Um, but anyway, it's been it's been fun tonight, guys. I enjoyed, as always, uh, rapping with y'all. Want to remind everybody that um, they can find all of the podcast episodes as well as um, you know links to. Different different sites where you can listen to the podcast um, at rockchew.com. So check that out at rockchew.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at rockinchew. That's rock as in, as in no ketchup on my goddamn hot dog, please. Um, <laughs> chew, rockinchew. Here, here. Um, you know, I know it's kind of a very Chicago thing to say, you know, don't put ketchup on a hot dog, but it's true. Ketchup, I think ketchup, it's universal. Yeah. yeah, ketchup can go for friend upon. Yeah. That's a, like it's okay for kids. We can. Yeah, we can it's have, a kid's let, condiment. It's a kid's yeah. condiment, right? You can let like kids I'll I'll take ketchup. Here's where I'll take ketchup: some steak fries at a diner, right? Like every once in a while, I go to a diner that has steak fries for mm-hmm. some reason. Mm-hmm. Like I think Denny's does steak fries. You know, I go to Denny's often, but like I'll put some ketchup on that. I want it out of the glass bottle just to be Heinz. Yeah. But like on a hot dog, nah, forget it, man. It's loaded with sugar. It's mostly sugar. Ketchup. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like if if there's if we don't have mustard and it's just ketchup, I'll just pass. Like I'll eat the hot dog plain. You know, I mean, yeah. like I yeah yeah. Okay. Um. Well, great. Well, good to see you guys. Um. See you soon, and uh, everybody have a good night. Take care. Peace.